I'm Lindsay Moore and welcome to my podcast, In Conversation with SMEs, or Seriously Motivated Entrepreneurs. Founder of Agnes Marketing, I'm a business development and marketing advisor to small businesses. In challenging times like these, we need to support our small businesses more than ever. So my aim through this podcast is to bring inspiration, motivation and energy to those looking to start, scale or pivot their business by hearing the stories of others who have been brave, followed their heart, kept their nerve and achieved something quite remarkable. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking to my favourite small businesses and acclaimed entrepreneurs and asking them about their highs, their lows, their wish-had-knowns and what single piece of advice they would give themselves now if they were starting out. I've been really looking forward to chatting to Jack Foster, founder of Crosby Coffee, an independent coffee roastery based in Crosby, Liverpool, which is dedicated to sourcing, roasting and serving unique coffees from all around the world. I first came across Crosby Coffee about five years ago on one of my many trips home to visit family. I popped into Crosby Coffee and left with a whole new appreciation of coffee and the whole bean to cup process after being captivated by the enthusiasm, passion and knowledge of their staff. I literally drank it in. Jack developed a passion and interest in coffee roasting almost 10 years ago after visiting roasteries frequently when down in London. He began roasting and blending coffee at his mum's house as as a hobby. And he says he was drawn into a rabbit hole of wanting to learn more and more about coffee. The popularity of his blend soon stretched beyond family and friends who he was giving it away to. And local people began seeking him out at local food markets. Seven years later, Crosby Coffee has a successful retail cafe, a wholesale arm which supplies Crosby Coffee to bars, cafes and restaurants. And they have an online business which sells roasting equipment and coffee subscriptions delivered to your door. Jack talks about how from a very young age, he always wanted to have his own business, inspired by his auntie and uncle who own their own business, where he used to love working in the school holidays. We talk about the love he has of his hometown and the pull of wanting to move back and bring something new and exciting that he discovered to his local community. We also talk about the impact of the pandemic on our daily routines, which for many of us involve picking up a coffee on the way into the office and how even though our routines may have changed, our love of coffee remains, which Jack has witnessed in the growth of his home brewing equipment and online coffee subscription service. So grab yourself a coffee and sit back. I think you're going to enjoy this. Jack Foster, welcome very much to the podcast. It's really lovely to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. I've been really keen to chat to you uh, because, as, as is the theme with the people that I interview, I am a big fan of your small business, Crosby Coffee. Um, you know, um, for the people who don't know, you're a specialist coffee company based in Crosby in Liverpool. So you're named after where your hometown, which happens to be where I'm from as well. I've watched with fascination over the last six years, really, how you have really become a, a go-to destination for Liverpool coffee lovers. And you walk in and it's like a, a total sensory for a coffee lover like me, it's just, a, it's like an Alice in Wonderland moment walking into your shop because you've got beans and different like 
oh god you've got taste you've got people describing the different tastes and the different flavors of coffee and really immersing myself as a customer in the experience of what your brand is and the the enthusiasm that you've got for your good coffee and bringing the best to people and trying new things and the mixes that you come up with I just love every every bit of it and I know that I've watched particularly with interest in the last year because I know that you've got a number of routes to market, haven't you? You've got your you've got your shop, which is in yep. Waterloo in, in Liverpool, and you have a your retail online business for the end user like me who can order everything from beans to coffee subscriptions by mail to brewing equipment. And then it's it was a it was lovely to see um, at one of my local coffee shops here, which is not anywhere near Crosby starting to stock as a whole you're obviously a wholesale they're a wholesale client of yours stock your coffee in their cafes and bars and restaurants so thank you for being here and I would just like to ask you where your love affair really with coffee started yeah so well it's it's, it's a difficult one-ish to explain it, it it started as a hobby basically it was probably when I was around 22-ish I was working quite a lot around the country, so I was kind of traveling, doing a fair bit of traveling, staying in hotels. When I say traveling, you know, all within England, really, I was staying pretty much in London for three months at a time and doing a bit of work down there. And I kind of saw the coffee scene there compared to what we had up north and what the differences were and things like that. And that's what really started to suck me in. And I think then was that was the point, really, that I decided that I wanted to probably learn more and start to just do my own investigation into the, into sort of what coffee is all about, what the idea of speciality coffee is compared to just sort of your generic Nescaf and, and things like that. So um, that's kind of how it started. Definitely. That's what got me interested. And I mean, back then I was doing loads of sort of research online and things like that. I discovered really quickly that there was nothing up north really in terms of going into a coffee shop and asking the staff in the coffee shop, like, how do I brew this coffee at home or where can I buy these beans from? Where is the coffee even from? The cafes we had here just didn't have that sort of knowledge or passion for for the speciality coffee scene. Whereas down in London, there was, you know, there were shops pretty much on every corner that had that enthusiasm. The staff clearly knew what they were talking about. They wanted to talk to you about it. They wanted you to go in and ask questions. And, and I wanted just to find out as much as I could. And I struggled in the north, especially in the northwest, um, really to, to find somewhere to go and find that information out. So the more and more you sort of look into it, I think back then I thought I was, you know, the local expert. But you look back at it now and I knew so little, especially when we set up. I still knew so little compared to what we should have known and what we know now. It's a massive sort of rabbit hole, coffee. And once you get into it, I think everyone says the same thing you sort of delve deeper and deeper and deeper and you always discover new little routes that you could go and learn about and different things and different avenues. And, and I think that's what keeps you interested because you can't get bored of it. There's always something else to learn or something else to go and find out as well. Because how, um, how many varieties of different beans do you sort of use in your blends? <laughs> um, well, we, we, so we do three different uh, sort of house blends. We do a couple of sort of bespoke blends for certain customers as well. Um, but we do do three different house blends that are always on, on rotation in the shop. There's eight different coffees that from different origins that go into those coffees. And then we do 
anywhere between 10 and 15 single origins at once as well. So we, you know, coffee from pretty much anywhere in the world, if you can get it, we'll find. But the whole cupping process and tasting process to find those, those origins and those coffees can be mind-blowing. So you just scour the world, basically, looking for different beans and... Yeah, so a basic example really would be our Christmas coffees that we've got on running now. We have a Christmas blend every year. We run through December, so that's just started last week. There's two coffees in there from Colombia, and there's a, a coffee from um, Brazil. And those three coffees were really sort of hard to find and, and get hold of. They're all micro lots, so they're very limited in terms of what we could get. But we were after something really bespoke. We wanted something that was going to, when you open that bag and smell the coffee or taste the coffee, we wanted to be able to, to almost to remind you of Christmas. And the, one of the coffees in there really tasted like candy floss. And it had that really sort of sweet, sugary sort of taste and smell. And when you put that in with something like the Brazilian, which had loads of sort of chocolate notes and mixed in with, again, the other Colombian, which had loads of orange and satsumas and, and clementines. And so you, you blended all, that, all those together and it became this Christmas coffee. But I started working on that one in probably the end of August. Right. And, and, it's just, only, and it just got in there in time, probably finished it right. mid-November. Um, so just and that, try, trying the different composition of beans and the different ratios and just basically trial and error yeah just until yeah. you've got the absolute best tasting for your christmas blend yeah and that's just one coffee i think we're, we're doing five specials at the minute so we've got the christmas coffee and then we've got uh, we've got a rwandan on which is a, a beautiful coffee it's um it's from a women's coffee extension so it's a, a, a cooperative basically set up in rwanda to basically improve the working conditions of coffee farmers for women uh, in the area, which is really good. We've got a Nicaraguan on, which is just something a little bit different. It's, it's using a process called anaerobic honey. Long story short, or the, or the short version of that basically means that the, after depulping the actual coffee seeds from the cherry, those seeds are then put into a sort of stainless steel tank. They're starved of oxygen and they're left to ferment and then they're sun-dried completely. And it gives it a really sort of sweet, complexy kind of flavor. So again, we've got that one on at the minute. So we've got all these different ones, but they again, it starts sort of three, six months in advance where we where we like to be. But I guess that's the fun bit, and that's kind of why we, that's why we started in the beginning. You know, tasting and trialing, and going back to the farmers and asking for more samples, or asking for something slightly different or a different process, and and just working out exactly what we want to do. And that's the fun bit. Wow, and. From starting off sort of in your mum's house, trialing, trying how to, um, learning how to brew coffee, how did you go from that to starting your business? It was probably a bit of an accident. I think, obviously, yes, yeah, so I started at home, back at my mum's at the time, and I decided to buy a couple of home roasters and popcorn machines and different, I was, again, just experimenting, really. And like anything, I, I saw a bit of a, a small opportunity, really, and, and Started flogging it to friends and family, and and I think my nan bought most of it just to keep me happy. And I think it was just trying to, you know, I was trying to experiment, but I had to learn a lot of coffee, and I was just trying to get rid of it so I could buy some more in, and then experiment again and taste new things and try new things. And that's kind of how it's kind of how it started, I say. But when I sort of thought it might have been a business, or I thought this maybe could have gone somewhere. We tried to dip our toe in the water a little bit. So we did a couple of little markets, sort of food and drink markets or Christmas markets. Um, I think that was the, it was the Christmas of 2013, I think. So just before we kind of definitely set it up with a business, we did a couple of markets just to 
see what we thought. I think the original name on the very first market was Iron Men Coffee, basically after the, the statues, and the golden statues on the beach. And at the feedback we got that weekend, I think we just hand wrote Iron Men Crosby, put the mobile number on the bottom, and that was it. Didn't really tell him what was it, what was in the bags. It was just selling the bags for a couple of pounds just to see what we did just to get a bit of feedback and see if people were willing to buy something that was just local. And But I really wanted to tie Crosby into it. I'd lived in Crosby all my life and I'd gone off to Union Sheffield, moved back home and I'd sort of missed living in Crosby. I'd missed Liverpool in general, but you know, Crosby where I grew up and I sort of kind of missed being there. So when I came back, I was like, I really want to do something. I want to get roasted in Crosby. I want to sort of make sure we tie that in somewhere. Um, and the simplest option really was Crosby Coffees. And I know that your your business has grown organically without, um, I think it's fair to say that your the quality of your product and the, and the personality and the authenticity of it really, you know, it's the packaging is just simple. And, you know, you mentioned you wrote on the packaging. I know you don't do that now, but it's not over, you know, it's just, it lets the coffee does the talking really and I think that comes through in 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 the in the brand and I I know that on the whole people wholesalers certainly tend to find out about you from people who really know about their coffee or or they've tasted it themselves and they seek you out and they come and ask you about it uh, which is an amazing way to grow a business obviously Tell me about the tasting room that you've got and the 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 whole the whole experience that you you provide for people who are thinking about stocking your Crosby coffee. Um, yeah, well, uh, I mean, to start in terms of the branding and the actual uh, packaging and things, that's a kind of hot topic at the minute. Well, something we are working on at the minute, but it's not something we've touched in six years. We just kind of bought bags in, we stuck a label on, and sold it. And it's only now that we've started to get a little bit bigger. We've got more of a team in the office that can input their ideas and things. And I'm not overly, I don't want to say not overly creative, but I'm not overly good at branding and design and ideas. And things like that. I just want the coffee to be really good. So I've always kind of thought, well, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's all about as long as it tastes good, as long as the coffee in there is the best it can be. Why do we need to jazz it up with a fancy bag or a box or, you know, the element of whatever's in the bag is what matters. However, having done a little bit more research into it, you know, it is all about that experience and the unpackaging experience. And we've ordered, we've always ordered uh, coffee from pretty much anywhere else you can imagine. So as as, I, as we set the business up, I think that first year, we probably spent a couple of thousand pounds just buying coffee from as many places as we could. And I've kind of carried that on. Sort of every year we've gone, well, where's the new roasters or where's the best roasters in Europe? Where's the best roasters we can find in Germany. Let's go and buy some coffee off them and see what we think and see where we stack up. And obviously, the, the year we've had with with COVID in twenty twenty and how it's obviously you know it's obviously changed people's habits. And I, I know from my own perspective, I used to you know stop off for a coffee on my way into the office every day, and it was part of my ritual. And I used to look forward to it, and it was you know I loved it. And then. In March, I haven't been out. I've worked at home since March. And God, after about two or three weeks, the most I was just so depressed with the coffee situation at home because although, you know, average coffee in the cafeteria is fine, 
if you just have a couple when you happen to be at home of a weekend or whatever, I really started missing it. And I realized how much of a pleasure it, it gave it gave me coffee. And I was I then began ordering coffee online and, and buying different uh, coffee machines for home. And and is it is it is that something you've noticed in your business? How how COVID has changed? It may have changed people's routines, but their love of coffee is manifesting itself in different ways through different different products yeah, you're selling. The, the fix, aren't they? Um, I think I think you're right. I think we take for granted our even just the, the routine rather than the actual product itself. It's the routine of going in and grabbing a coffee before work or after work, or even just sitting in a cafe on a lunch break. You kind of take everything for granted that you're doing, and everything's being thrown up in the air. And uh, we're the same, really. I mean. Uh, the last, God knows how many months now, really, isn't it? For the last seven or eight months where nothing's really been quite the same, everything drastically changed. And our, our retail side of the business massively sort of increased. And it, was, it was never something we've, I don't want to say not focused on, but it's not something that's ever really been a priority and a key thing. We've always grown our wholesale side of the business and made sure that was working really well. And like I said, we've got more and more people sitting in the office now that, can help doing different elements and, and different things, but the retail side just massively increased as soon as sort of lockdown came into play and people realised it wasn't going to be a couple of weeks, it was going to be a couple of months. And like you said, that routine's been thrown out the window. So what what can we do now to get that back? And yeah, definitely retail in terms of online sales. We did leave the shop. I think we left the shop open about a week or two to do collection orders. So if anyone needed to pick anything up and, and stock up for lockdown one you know that was that was fine and then it all went to online and, and deliveries and we just had a couple of people that basically weren't working from home we had just go in and uh with one other and just sort of make sure any orders were getting done and fulfilled and it was everything from bags of coffee to brewing equipment to we sold quite a few home espresso machines so we, we deal with sage we deal with a couple of other sort of bean to cup brewers as well we deal with Marco for filter machines. So there was loads of little, loads of sort of little options there to buy actual coffee machines for the house. A little bit more expensive than traditional cafeteria here, but you know, like you said, people were willing to spend a little bit and get that experience in the house. Then we were happy to do it for them. So absolutely. How are things now going into Christmas? Because at the time of recording this, we're on the fifth of December, I think, aren't we? And we we're just a couple of days out of lockdown too. Um, so you're, you know, I'm assuming, well, I really hope that the next few weeks is 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 really busy for you. What are you finding footfall in the shop like? Footfall is good. Obviously, up until yesterday, we were uh, we were takeout only still, just gone. As, as you know, the shop's not a, a big sort of space. We don't have a, we're not blessed with the amount of tables we've got. One thing we are, we do benefit from is probably the, the outside seating area, the outside space and we do have lots of tables and stuff, but obviously with the weather being what it is, we're not really benefiting from that at the minute. So footfall in general has been good. It could always be better. You know, it's not um, I mean, anyone's ever that happy with what they're doing, but it definitely could be a lot worse. So footfall is good. There is a, obviously with Christmas around the corner, we do do a lot of Christmas gifts and things like that. So people coming in to collect them and order gifts and get hampers and, and things like that.
you're obviously a, a natural entrepreneur because you you set up in your early 20s tinkering around with coffee and looking to a route to market and I'm a I'm a big supporter of young enterprise and trying to encourage young people to explore like give them the option that actually they can own a business and that they can run a business and I feel quite strongly about how the curriculum actually is quite narrow in terms of not really allowing children to learn how to be enterprising and I'd just be interested to know what 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 was your experience in terms of wanting to become did you always know you wanted to run your own business yeah I can't really remember what age but from, from as long as I can remember I think I always said I wanted my own business I think it stems from a, a few different things the earliest sort of memory I have in terms of business was working for my auntie and uncle so they, they had a business they had a couple of different businesses but at, at the age where I was sort of growing up through school we we could go and help them over weekend and you know most of my mates were going out and playing and, and stuff but I was actually excited to go and work and we weren't even doing anything necessarily exciting we were doing the boring jobs and we'd be paid you know five or a day but I was excited to go and do it and, and go and learn and see the business and see the office and see how businesses operate. And it, it sounds sad really, doesn't it? But it's, it, it, you kind of, I, I remember it and think I'd love to do this one. I'd love to have yeah. my own place and, and be able to do stuff and be able to employ people and, and choose when I want to have days off and nothing, nothing of that's worked yet, but I'm, you know. So your uncle and your auntie were a big influence on you then really in, in, in that yeah. respect. Yeah, and they they supported you, I know, didn't they, in your early days? Yeah, so I, I and and even still now, I think I, when I, when it's difficult decisions to make, I you know I go and see my uncle, and more than happy he'll have a chat. I'll sit down, have a coffee with me, and we can kind of just discuss what what the options are and what I think I want to do. And he, he's always happy to give me advice and, and things like that. He's moved on from that business and he's got his, he's got a few other businesses that he's set up since and. He's always been that sort of person, and I think that's kind of why I've I've always sort of followed and, and looked at and sort of observed and, and, and learned from, really. And it, isn't it such a gift then that you've got somebody who who can who was able to mentor you in that respect and also inspire you? I mean, my dad always owned his own business, but I think what what he brought out in us, or I'll be eternally, he's not with us anymore, unfortunately, but. What I'm eternally grateful for is that he brought us up to think you can do, you can turn your hand to anything, and you could. He made us not frightened of failing. I think that was what it is. You know, he said, you know, go and knock on that door and ask them if they want their car washing. You know, uh, or why don't I hire you a jet washer and you can go around jet washing people's driveways and you can pay me back out with your profits? He wasn't being tight. He was he was excited by teaching us, just like he taught himself, because he wasn't from an enterprising family, how you can make money by just being brave, doing something, giving it a try. And if the worst case happens and it fails, you've actually learned so much through that failure because that helps yeah. you to move on. Um, and I find that so I found that throughout my life so liberating because I'm not obviously none of us like to fail, but I've actually got a bigger fear of not giving anything a go. 
And I think that's what's driven me to think I can't live with regrets. If I, if I got to a point where I think I should have tried that, that's worse than if I'd tried it and fallen flat on the face. So I'm really grateful for him. And I, and I, I look at, you know, I look at the situation that we're in now with COVID when, you know, the majority of, you know, 99.7% of all businesses are small businesses. And I think we need entrepreneurs more than ever. We need pe people who are risk takers, who are resilient, who are innovators and doers and thinkers and tinkerers. And, you know, we need more entrepreneurs, basically, yeah. don't we? And um, yeah, absolutely. So and I, I sort of came to, to working for myself late. I was ju I just turned 40. But um, knowing knowing that, you know, I think that's probably another reason why I'm so supportive of Crosby Coffee because I know as a young guy, you sort of just got out there and you tried it and you gave it a go. What's your sort of ethos on not fearing about not fearing failure? Well, I, I mean, you definitely learn more from failing. You know, I, before before setting up Crosby Coffee, I gave a couple of other little things a go and set up a couple of businesses and I very rarely talk about them because they were massive failures. But <laughs> without probably without failing, I, I wouldn't have set it up the way we set this one up and I wouldn't have done things the way I've done it on this one. So without that, I don't want to say we wouldn't be here, but things would have been different, especially to start with. So in terms of learning from mistakes and learning from failures, it, it's massive. I don't I don't think we'd quite be where we are now without me failing in the past. So it gives you that sort of, like you said, it gives you resilience. So I think you have to sort of be cheeky and, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get sort of, yeah, just give it a go. To work and to life and, and yeah, to business. And what, looking back over the, you know, the last seven seven years, can I ask you, which is what I ask all my guests, I'm, I'm interested to know about your most memorable high, low, and wish I'd known. So I think the, I think the high has to be when we, we got the shop on Oxford Road where we are now. We'd sort of, in that year, we did quite a lot. We'd just come off the back of, we'd had a permanent pitch down on Liverpool Pier Head. We had just, the Baltic Market in Liverpool just opened and we were part of that for the first six months. Our shop, which we originally opened a shop in in, um, in Netherlands, so we'd just sort of come to our end of our lease there. We were looking for other sites and we we found the shop on Oxford Road. I'd also my business partner now, Mark, had just come on board that year. So I had help in terms of actually running the business and getting new ideas and things like that flowing. So I think that year sort of was just sort of epitomized by opening the shop. There was more of a shop than what we had in Liverpool, really. And it was something of somewhere that we like to call our hub. We had our office there. We had our tasting room, which we mentioned earlier. And we had this small roast out with a you know a little bit of a, a tasting room and cupping room. And we had our shop there where we could basically teach and educate the local community of this is what we want to do. We want to we want you to learn about the coffee. We want you to come in and ask our staff questions and we're happy for you to sit here all day and ask us questions. We're not bothered about turning over that table. We just want you to learn more about coffee. And so the, the year that we got that, that whole year was amazing. I think a low I think when it, when we lose a customer, it, it hurts. It's almost like it's like a breakup if you've had a customer for a good few years and and it's very rare that it happens that you know nine times out of ten it's usually because the business is shutting down or the owners have sold on and things like that so that's that tends to be why we would lose a customer it's a very rare occasion that you know that they've, they've moved on for price or for whatever reason but every time we hear that someone has left us as a customer or is no longer wanting to use our coffee that 
it genuinely feels like a breakup. It feels like someone bringing you to go, um, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's horrible. And um, have you got any wish I'd knowns, you know, anything that, or even the best piece of advice that you've you've been given? I think, I think what I've learned over the past, say, two years is more about uh, networking and probably going out your comfort zone a little bit more. I think a couple of years ago, I wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast and I certainly wouldn't be going to networking events and, and doing different things like that. Whereas I've noticed in the last, you know, especially before COVID last year, I started just going out of my comfort zone and making myself do a little bit more and speaking to people that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily speak to and things like that. And I think you just start to realise very quickly that the old cliche of it's not, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know and who you speak to and, and who can recommend you to certain people and who can introduce you to certain people. I think it's massively important. And I think if I'd have known that earlier, we could have grown even quicker than what we probably have or could have got more and more people involved with us. Yeah, getting out of your comfort zone, just do things, say yes. <laughs> and have you got anything, ideas brewing for Crosby Coffee? going forward has covid given you an opportunity to have some time to to think about the future and if so you know have you got anything lined up yeah definitely i think um i think one of the one of the only blessings really you can kind of get from covid is that it has given everyone a little bit more time to to sit back and maybe reflect and maybe look forward and, and see what you want to be doing we did a, a sort of weekly Zoom call with all of our team over over the first lockdown just to make sure one just checking in. We did the usual quizzes and, and race nights and things like that. And but we also set them little sort of almost mini tasks to go away and learn about a certain topic, or we asked them to do some research or buy some coffee from somewhere and, and do a tasting session, things like that. So one of the one of the topics is to go and research our competitors and see what. You know, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? Why, where should we be focusing our energy on next year and things like that? And one of the main topics that kept coming back was sustainability and how we could be more environmentally friendly, how we could use local suppliers more and, and all these sort of things. So what we've done since lockdown one is we, we created a sustainability team and that team meet once a month and they plan what they're going to do that month, what they've what they've done the month before and what we're going to do as a business in terms of actually being, becoming more sustainable, how we can be better for the environment, how we can be better for our local community, how we can be better for local suppliers and going down that avenue and just seeing what we can what we can do. We've done a we've done a good couple of things. The shop is already very sort of eco-friendly in terms of packaging and, and anti-plastic and, and that was kind of very much the staff's influence rather than ours. But now that we've kind of sat back and reflected as well, we've decided that having that team, we're going to be able to just start pushing that foot forward a little bit more, and especially on the wholesale side of things. So we are looking into that uh, next year. We've teamed up with uh, John Moores, who are going to do a carbon audit for us next year, just so that we've got a better understanding and idea of what our carbon footprint is and what we what we should be doing to maybe offset that carbon and, and look after the environment a little bit better than what we, what we already are. Brilliant. Well, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been lovely hearing about the story behind the, the beautiful coffee and how it all came about. And I appreciate you taking the time out. And I wish you no. the very, very best of luck in 2021. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for listening. 
I really hope you enjoyed this episode of In Conversation with Seriously Motivated Entrepreneurs. I'm on a bit of a mission to provide help and support to small businesses, as well as my podcast and working hard to provide lots of helpful and practical advice to help small businesses get really good at business development and marketing, from free masterclasses and cheat sheets to downloadable guides and consultancy sessions. If you would like to access this information, it's all available on my website, agnesmarketing.co.uk. And if you'd like to join our Facebook community of other small businesses looking to access and share marketing advice, tips and support, please search for Agnes Marketing on Facebook. And would you mind if I ask you something? If you've liked what you've listened to today, can you please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast as it will help other business owners to find it and it might just provide the inspiration and motivation they need at this moment in time. Thanks so much.